If you are watching this on YouTube or listening to this podcast, wherever you are today, please hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so that you can stay current on the material that we are providing. But not only that, you then help us to spread the word to more people. You are vital in this mission to reaching our world of people just like you who are living in this nightmare. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. I am drowning in a world of narcissism. I think about it the minute I wake up, all day long, and the last thought before I fall asleep. It is all consuming. When I was in this marriage, never in my life have I ever absorbed as much information as I have on covert narcissism. I have watched every video, read every book, listened to every podcast, talked to anyone who would listen. I just can't think about this any longer. Not one more thought. I just don't have it in me. I have nothing left. I remember throwing the book down on my bed. I can't read another word. I have no room left in my brain, no space for one single thought more. It's full. I'm full. I'm done. I needed a break. But how? I didn't even know how to stop thinking about it, about him, about the abusive behaviors, the why, the how, the kids, the effects. How do I turn my brain off for even a minute? I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And today's episode is a bit different from my normal Thursday episodes. I've been doing a uh, Stories of Hope series, and I want to thank those who have come on here and shared their experience and their encouragement here. It really is such a huge benefit to everyone out there listening. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, and it's no small task to get on here and talk about your story. That shows a huge amount of courage and healing. And today, I want to share a little bit more of my story of hope. Just this week, a member in my group coaching session told me and the others in the group, I just can't read another word about narcissism. I don't want to think about it anymore. I totally understand this feeling completely. And of course, just a few sentences later, she was already asking, when's the next group so I can sign back up? You see, when we first find out about covert narcissism, there is such a huge amount of relief that floods our system. You mean I'm not crazy? I'm not alone? Someone else gets it? You've got to be kidding me. We can't read the words fast enough. I could not wait for my family to go to bed so I could pull that Wizard of Oz book out and get back to reading. I stayed up many nights doing intense stealth research. I had to learn. I had to know. I had to find the answers. The drive was incredible. All of this information was helpful too, right? Yes, absolutely, 100%. We finally feel heard and seen. We finally, we feel sane for the first time in years or decades. See, after believing that we are the problem and that it's our job to fix everything for so long, it is so incredibly freeing from that entrapment when we find that this is a thing and that we are not crazy. We find that it 
is not our job to fix this, that it's not our fault that it exists. So yes, it makes sense that we would absorb this massive amount of information. Another drive for all the information, at least for me, was the intense desire to help my children. I wanted to learn everything I could possibly learn to know how to be there for them in this nightmare. How could I stop the abuse? How could I stop or even reverse the effects it was having on my kids? How do I break this cycle? How do I help them? There is another effect, though, that all this research has on our brain. And this effect is not positive. You see, it keeps our mental energy wrapped up in this manipulative, toxic, and abusive person. The brain likes patterns. And if you really keep track of all your thoughts throughout a day, which I think would be impossible, but if you really like had a way to record all of your mental thoughts throughout your days, you would find a lot of patterns in your thinking. Repetitive thinking is extremely common and it fills a lot of space in our heads. Now consider this covert narcissistic person that has brought you to this podcast in the first place. Is there any chance that they have consumed your thinking? I'm guessing that they have. You know, in the last week, what percentage of your thinking was occupied by them? How much of your day today has been occupied by them? How about in the last month? How about in the last year? And how about in the last decade? Our brains default to this repeat and replay over and over and over. So when you find yourself consumed with all of this research, it fits right in with the thought patterns that you've already been living that revolved around the covert narcissist in the first place. However, this material does have a distinctly new flair to it. Now you're getting validation. Now you're getting, you know, uh, explanations for what's going on in your world. So, so yes, it is incredibly valuable. Don't get me wrong here. But it has a very familiar feel to it because it's still focused on that narcissist in your world. This is comfortable territory, if you will. After all, that's who you've been thinking about anyways for the last, you know, how many years? So this lady in my group, she voiced it. I just don't want to hear the word narcissism again for at least a really, really long time. Yet in that same session, she asked when the next group started so she could sign up for another round. You know, these groups have a set curriculum that we work through to better understand covert narcissism. And yes, it's incredibly validating, valuable, and empowering to those who go through it. We work through the many characteristics of covert narcissism, the effects it has on you and those around you, the fight or flight mode, CPTSD from living in years of that fight or flight mode, codependency and kind of my take on all of that, the good traits that are there that got used against you, the narcissism spectrum, trauma bonds, setting boundaries, cognitive dissonance, the stages of grief, and radical acceptance. But even in the midst of all of this knowledge, learning, and growth that maybe you're doing with me or you're, maybe you're on your own path of it, you also need to take the time to take a sabbatical. 
You just cannot stay pedal to the metal, nose to the grindstone all the time. This will absolutely consume you if you don't take breaks from it. We can get so busy learning about it that we actually stay very connected to the abuse and the abuser. We might even fool ourselves into believing that we are healing when really all we're doing is wallowing around in a swarm of information about it. Just consuming the information will not magically heal you. You must use the information and you must build yourself outside of this world of narcissism. You see, there is life outside of narcissism. Think of it kind of like scuba diving in the ocean. I don't know if you've ever been. I have. It's been many, many years ago. You can only stay submerged for so long. Now, this world underneath the ocean, it's overwhelming. It's amazing and it's all consuming. It's intense. It's scary. And it's breathtaking. But you must come up before your air runs out, obviously, or you risk drowning. You need to take breaks or your body will suffer with oxygen imbalances. So you can't stay down there all the time. And even when you come up for, for breaks and for breaths, you got to stay up for a little while before you can go back. Well, you need to take breaks from the narcissism research. Put the books down. Turn the podcast off. Stop the videos. Walk away. And let's fill that space with something else. In these relationships, we are really good at doing everything we can to take care of them. We get really, really good at that. Even though, you know, we still fail at it, but we get really good at trying to tap dance around all of their feelings and their needs and to take care of things before the problems happen, to anticipate things, all of that. We get really, really good at it. But we seem to lose the ability to do things for ourselves. We have a hard time making decisions for ourselves. You see, we've learned to defer to someone else. Why? To avoid conflict to keep from stepping on someone else's toes, to keep from getting ridiculed. So we look to others for permission to act, even as adults. You see, doing something for me just felt selfish, and it would fill me with anxiety. This is just yet another pattern of thinking that the brain locks onto, a pattern that must be broken, a pattern that I learned from my marriage, and I can trace it even back to my childhood. So for right now, for just a few minutes, I want you to take an imagination break. I want you to imagine that none of what has actually happened to you ever happened. Imagine that it just disappears. None of it was real. Now, we know that that's not the case. All of this happened, and I'm not taking anything, any of that away from anyone. This is not the same as living in denial, no. This is simply taking a break, a sabbatical. You can't live and breathe this stuff 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Make a promise to you right now that you'll take a mental break. And in this mental break, there is no self-judgment. None at all. You've had enough judgment in your world. Get off your own back. You are allowed to take a break. 
You are allowed to walk this earth in peace just like the rest of us. You are allowed to think about things outside of narcissism. Take a 10-minute break. Let's start there. And then we'll work on making it longer. For 10 minutes, if you weren't thinking about narcissism, what would you be thinking about? For some people, they might make that a whole hour. Or lunch with a friend where, what would we talk about? We're not talking about any of this anymore for, for one hour or for one lunch. Maybe a weekend. I'd take a weekend off. Right now, if I pretended that none of that happened, if I wasn't thinking about it all the time, what would I be thinking about? What would I do with my mental energy? So how about it? What would you be thinking about? What would you be doing? Would you read a book? Would you go for a walk? Call a friend and visit? Make a scrapbook? What would you do? How about writing a bucket list? This is one of the exercises that I do in my group sessions. And why not? Have you ever started making a bucket list? Have you ever started doing any of the things on a bucket list? So some of the things on my bucket list, I want to see the Northern Lights. I've never seen them. I've always really wanted to. So I'm going to. At some point, it's going to happen. Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I have gotten that one started. Skiing in the Alps. Skydiving. I've done that one now, too. Four-wheeling. Scuba diving. Riding a jet ski. Going to a spa or a mindfulness retreat. What's on your bucket list? Little bits of adventure. Freedom. Happiness. Those little bits are vital to your own healing. If you are in a position where the big things can't happen yet, then start by making a bucket list of smaller things. Things that you can get started with. How about creating a website? Planting a garden? Attending a murder mystery dinner? Travel. Travel somewhere. Okay, even a little, you know, local vacation. Going to a music festival. Getting a pet. Going to the zoo, volunteering at a local animal shelter, painting something at a ceramic store, taking an art class or any other kind of class, learning a language, going dancing. I'm leaving you with this assignment that I want you to start making a bucket list. Some big things, some small things, but things that have nothing to do with narcissism. Now, I'm going to leave you with one more assignment. Create a place in your home that is just for you. One small corner of a room. Make this your safe space. So for me, what this looked like, and I was still in the marriage when I did this, I bought me a really comfy chair, this big circular chair that I can just get lost in when I sit in it, and I put it in the corner of my bedroom. And, and I just put it in there. I didn't tell him why. Nobody knew what I was doing. I got some real soft, cushy pillows. I got a blanket that's really soft and, and very uh, pleasing to the touch. I really like to, to play with it because it's so soft and squishy. And I got a, a, a diffuser where I could diffuse some essential oils. I got a salt lamp, very appealing, you know, that I can turn on in the room. And I made this my safe space. And so when I sit there, I don't allow any self-judgment there. No, this is just safety for my thoughts and my feelings. Safety to be me. Even five minutes, if that's all I can get, was so incredibly useful. 
And of course, now I get a whole lot more time there because, you know, the divorces happen. My, my home is my own home now. And so I get to use that safe space whenever I choose. One more piece of this is I made a, a playlist in my phone of, of music that I only use, I only listen to when I'm in my safe space. That music is something I can use when I need that safe space. I need that break from narcissism. I'm five years out now. So what's my life look like now? I still have that safe space and it's become a treasured corner of my room. I have started doing some of the things on my bucket list and actually I'm working on planning a few more of them. But now my thoughts are not consumed by narcissism all the time. When I wake up in the morning, my thoughts used to be filled with, you know, thoughts of my husband, his reactions, narcissism, the kids, but not anymore. Now I wake up thinking about other things that have nothing to do with any of this. Maybe some stretching or deep breathing, remembering a dream and kind of enjoying how it felt, planning the day's schedule. I wake up with feelings of gratitude and peacefulness. What are my thoughts when I go to bed at night? They used to be filled with anxiety and despair. They were filled again with thoughts of my husband and everything that was going on. Accompanied by complete exhaustion. I didn't lay down at night. I collapsed at night. Not anymore. Now I go to bed peacefully. Now I lay down. Stretch, deep breathing. That's still a part of my, you know, end of the day as well. Meditation. Reflecting on the day, both good and bad. Grateful that I now get to rest. Not desperate. Just grateful. It is such a totally different world inside of me now. Narcissistic relationships erase us. I fired that eraser and I started drawing myself back. So please listen to me. Take a sabbatical from all of this. If all you can get is five or 10 minutes here and there, then do it. But work your way up to, you know, an hour a day at least. Maybe even work your way up to taking a whole weekend off. For one weekend, narcissism doesn't exist. You deserve the vacation. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee. R-E-N-E-E at CNGLifeCoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.